Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. story about flags if only because there's a fight of brewing and I'm going to watch just like you are bourbon in one hand popcorn in the other Tony Katz 93 WIBC good morning and it's how the political left is going to have to fight against Muslims there's a city in uh, Michigan. And this city in Michigan has an all Muslim city council. They have as uh, a mayor a guy who, who came to the United States from Yemen as a teenager. He is the first mayor in almost 100 years that has no Polish roots this town being uh, having a large Polish population. Muslim mayor, Muslim city council. And what have they done? They have banned pride flags on all city property. You can have an American flag. You can have a state flag. You can have uh, a, a city flag. You can have POW and MIA banners. That's it, according to the Washington Post. These are the only flags that are allowed. Now, what I would like is for all of the progressives and fishers to now explain how these Muslims in Michigan are bigots. Oh, wait. Oh, how dare you keep uh, teachers from uh, putting up a pride flag? How else will children know that they're welcoming? Well, I don't know. Maybe if the teacher isn't a jerk. Maybe if the teacher isn't a jerk, that's the way the student will know, oh, it's a welcoming teacher. Not through some political symbol, a flag in the classroom. So this is fascinating stuff. Because one of the responses is, from a former council member, uh, we welcomed you. We created nonprofits to help feed, clothe, and find housing. We did everything we could to make your transition here easier. And this is how you repay us by stabbing us in the back. Um, um, did you not know how Muslims view the world? Just as a matter of religion. You don't know that Muslims are more to the right than the things you claim about evil Christian conservatives? No, you just attack evil Christian conservatives because you're afraid to talk about Muslims, you bigoted cowards. But we'll leave that to the side right now. Oh. They're supposed to uh, 
simply give in on what they believe because you thought it was important that somebody be housed. No, you gave people food, clothing, and, and housing so they would owe you. You didn't do it because it was the right thing to do. You did it because you wanted to control them. You figured that if you helped people who were Muslim coming into the country, you would be able to own them, control them, keep them on a leash, and they would never do anything you disagree with. Wow. That's a philosophy. So what we're watching is this very public fight now where the political left starts to learn that maybe they can't control everyone and everything. And maybe as a matter of just religion and possibly culture, you will find that people who are Muslim are much more difficult to think you can box in than um, white liberal Christian women in Carmel because they'll fall for freaking anything. Oh, don't worry, Zionsville, you too. Uh, Greenwood, yeah, yeah, there's some of you. Plainfield, I don't even want to talk about you in Plainfield and Avon. Oh, yes, you will. White liberal women will fall for anything. They'll do anything. Just please don't call me racist. Oh, we're so terrible. Oh, we have to hate ourselves by doing this and this and this. Oh, yeah, it screws up our kids and it screws up society. And it's all based on progressivism and doesn't do anything about race because, oh, trust me, when somebody who's black is also a conservative, they're told they're not really black by the progressives. We see this everywhere. But leave it to white liberal women to absolutely sell anything they believe down the river in order not to be called a name. Yeah, I don't I don't think Muslim women care that much. It's respectable. And these flags shouldn't be in the classrooms anyway. Now, we're going to see what else happens in this town and many others. But uh if the left is learning that they're not in charge and you can't actually control people, well, that's a that's a start. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Good morning. The strike continues for the United Auto Workers. Stellantis offering up a 21% pay increase. That did not get accepted. It just it just didn't. Uh, General Motors, Ford, the strike is amongst all three. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Gary Dick joins us from InsideIndianaBusiness.com on Twitter. Our X at IIB, at Gary Dick personally, G-E-R-R-Y, at Gary Dick on Twitter, you've got the rejection there. The strike is not yet in Indiana, right? You've got the plant in Missouri, a plant in Michigan, and a plant in uh, Ohio from one of each of the big three where the United Auto Workers are demanding 36% pay increases. They want more retirement uh, benefits. They're looking for COLA, cost of living uh, adjustments. They're not going to get everything they want. But before we get into what we think is going to come to Indiana, what has been the take on the strategy that the United Auto Workers have been using here? Uh, it's the first time they've ever done it uh, Done it this way, Tony. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, three plants 
uh, one each uh, from each of the big three automakers. Typically, the United Auto Workers Union will select one company. They'll select General Motors, let's say, and then target that automaker uh, with a strike and and negotiate uh, uh, beyond that uh, with the other two. This time around, they're targeting all three, which is, again, the first time they've, uh, they've ever done it. Uh, they're saying, and both sides appear far apart as we head into what would be the first full week of the strike. Uh, and the UAW is making no bones about it. They're uh, more than willing to expand the strikes. So start with these the three plants and then add plants, be it parts plants, assembly plants, or whatever the case might be, as the strike goes on, thinking that will give them leverage uh, in, this, uh, in this negotiating process. The, the leverage part is that, as we have seen, they're going to utilize this drip, drip, drip philosophy. We can expect today or tomorrow to see another three plants go on strike. But here in Indiana, not only do we have plants, we also have those who supply those plants. What are you hearing from those businesses or people who supply even those businesses about how they're going to handle this? Will this put more pressure on the big three to come to the table faster? Well, as you see, uh, Tony, uh, uh, we have both assembly plants and parts plants uh, here in the state of Indiana, and no impact yet, but that impact more than likely uh, certainly is coming. We're beginning to see it at other parts of the country because there was news out the, this morning, I believe uh, it is uh, a Ford plant uh, that is talking about maybe 2,000 workers being laid off uh, in, uh, in Missouri, I believe, because of a lack of parts, because that impact is beginning to filter down from the uh, from the strike. So the potential is there. If the Fort Wayne General Motors truck assembly plant, as an example, can't get parts, uh, uh, you, you know, produce, that they need to produce, obviously they'll be impacted. Uh, the Marion stamping plant, GM plant, big plant, longtime plant in Marion uh, is, is at risk when you talk about that. Stellantis, uh, all the Chrysler brands, three transmission plants, an engine plant uh, as well uh, in Kokomo. Uh, if uh, an assembly plant in Toledo would go down, that would certainly impact Kokomo. So it's a ripple down, trickle down, if you will, effect uh, affecting these uh, these plants in Indiana potentially. And as the strike goes on, uh, and there are lots of indications that it's uh, not going to get solved anytime soon, we'll begin to see those uh, see those impacts. Talking to Gary Dick of InsideIndianaBusiness.com on Twitter at IIB. Let's move it off the, the strike right now. Westfield getting investment from an Israeli pharmaceutical company. Your sister's over there at a uh, sister company, the IBJ, talking about this big investment. The question is, is this the start of a growing industry push or is this one company that has a chance to really grow in Indiana? You know, I think uh, I think all of the above, uh, really. And if you look at a uh, Israel as a trading partner uh, with Indiana, we're beginning to see increasing signs uh, of that connectivity and the investment from companies in Israel in Indiana. Uh, I know a big uh, made a big investment in uh, in Anderson, uh, among other places here. But in this uh, this whole pharma nuclear medicine area, and that's what we're talking about here uh, with this company, Isotopia USA. Uh, it's a subsidiary of an Israeli company uh, locating in Westfield. Twenty million dollar investment, fifty jobs. So the jobs number is not necessarily huge. But a big number in terms of investment, $20 million in communities like Westfield. We're seeing it in Fishers 
uh, too, which has been a surprise, I know, to uh, uh, Mayor Scott Fatness there, the number of life sciences companies that are beginning to locate uh, in uh, in Fishers uh, as well. So I think it's not only the beginning, I think it's already started. I think it's beginning to pick up uh, a bit of, of uh, momentum. Yeah, the 50 jobs, one could argue, is not a big number, but the 50 jobs is also can be seen, and I saw it as the start of something. It's that we don't often hear about, and Westfield has grown, and this is not a dig on Westfield in the slightest, but I haven't seen the conversations, heard the conversations about Westfield getting this kind of development, the corporate headquarters and things like that, is is there a turn starting to take place where the pushes, like we've seen certainly in Lebanon, uh, where they're building and building and questions about how they got the land, but they're creating all this corridor regarding Purdue. Is the push now, hey, maybe Carmel isn't the only place for your corporate HQ? I, I think it's a natural evolution, uh, really, till if you think about it, uh, uh, looking at where companies want to locate. Let's face it, these companies are attracted here because of Indianapolis, because of what Indianapolis has to offer. Then you have, you look at the uh, the great suburban locations, uh, the Westfields, the Fishers, uh, and you can go on down the list, uh, Hamilton County, but other areas uh, as well. And I think we're beginning to see those those opportunities expand beyond the typical, you know, Fishers, Carmel uh, type situations into a Westfield obviously very close geographically there, but uh, suburban areas that offer access to Indianapolis as well. There's a a real good question about where this economy is going. We, of course, have been tracking oil prices, and oil is now, whether you're talking about West Texas Intermediate or Brent crude, over $90 a, a barrel. You clearly see from the consumer price index and producer price index numbers that the inflation has gone back up, uh, not down. Has there been a change in the mentality of uh, Indiana business or or from uh, state government about what it's going to take to right uh, the, the ship? How, are you hearing about any level of extreme measures being taken coming into 2024 about how to ensure economic security of business to business? No, not, I wouldn't say extreme measures, but, you know, b- believe me, every uh, corporate CEO, every small business uh, leader in the state uh, it, it has an eye, uh, obviously, on the economy, have to do that. But when you look at the inflation numbers, some of the numbers you just quoted there, uh, heading into 2024, uncertainty uh, is out there to be sure. Uh, so it's something that these companies and organizations obviously uh, are aware of. You know, when you get back to what we started talking about, uh, the situation with the auto industry and some of the some of the uh, uh, defining points of that and this push to electric vehicles. Indiana is getting a lot of uh, investment from electric vehicle, uh, electric vehicle investment, batteries and components and those types of things. On the flip side, the automakers, which is a part of this whole um, uh, dynamic involving the uh, the labor situation. You know, they're being pushed, obviously, very hard to go to electric vehicles, which will uh, require fewer workers. They're going to have to find efficiencies. A state like Indiana with a large uh, population of auto workers, you know, how is that going to affect 
uh, the economy ultimately. So lots of lots of things, micro things going on in the economy. But the bigger picture, as you suggest, is that eye on the economy and inflation and how that's going to affect things. Right now, I don't see companies taking drastic moves or considering those drastic moves. However, it's something that's out there on the horizon. Gary Dick, InsideIndianaBusiness.com, on Twitter, at IIB. Always a, a pleasure. Appreciate you being with us. How bad is it? Don't sugarcoat it. Give it to me straight. Want coffee? I think I need some coffee. Time to fill up on the news. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning. There, There's actually some pretty interesting stuff going on today. Dow futures are just up three. NASDAQ futures are down 32. Uh, you've got a Fed meeting that's going to happen, all right? So that's one of the things that's going on. Then you have this, that House Republicans have put out a bill to put an end to the idea of government shutdown, at least in the short term. We have not been talking government shutdown much at all because we have so many other things that we have to get to. Um, you've got Republicans coming together to figure out a way to keep the government funded through October 31st, cuts to domestic spending, uh, which is in there, uh, and this is a way to get to a defense spending bill that has been a back and forth between Republican leadership and, let's say, the Freedom Caucus. Well, we knew this was going to be a thing. We knew that many of these things were going to be an issue. The Democrats like to call it the Republicans are in crisis. Republicans are never in lockstep. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what what uh, uh, Representative Hakeem Jeffries says, who's the leader of the Democrats in the House. It, it's, it's meaningless. It's pablum. Well, they're, they're in civil war. They have to stop fighting each other. This is Hakeem Jeffries. Now, are you going to be able to do the business of the American people? It seems like we're headed towards a government shutdown. What's going on? Are you having back-channel conversations with McCarthy or, or with Republican moderates? Where's this going? Well, it's my expectation that we will continue to have conversations as we move Ryan forward. Uh, Rosa DeLauro, the top Democrat on the Appropriations uh, Committee, has our full confidence. Uh, and we are ready, willing, and able to talk about moving America forward. You know, we have a vision to put people over politics. That's what we should be doing. That's why we were sent to Washington, D.C., not to make an ideological point, but to make a difference. And we're going to continue to focus on making life more affordable for everyday Americans. Sure you are. I, I totally believe it. You're, you're, you're the guys who are just, you know, all over the good stuff. So now you have this short-term deal, potentially, from the House, from Republicans. I have no idea how it's going to be taken. I have not gotten into the details of it quite yet. I do know is that, that it's kind of hard to say that Republicans don't have it together if they say, look, here's a, here's a way to pass things short term. You know that if it doesn't pass, that if we don't get these uh, spending bills passed, the penny plan goes into effect and everything gets cut 1%. If it was everything but defense, I'd be totally down. I am bothered by this. Because I'm taking a look at the amount of ships we have at sea, et cetera, and 
We're not doing enough. We're nowhere near where we need to be. Nowhere near. So, yes, I am bothered by that. I, I, I say so clearly. But 1% cuts, okay. 1% cut. Sounds great. And government shutdown doesn't move America the way uh, the, the left often discusses it. You don't care. Your life goes on as normal. Do the streetlights still work? Yeah, you're fine. Paycheck still comes in? Yeah. Eggs are still too expensive. Gas is still too expensive. You, you, these, these things are still going on in your life. Government shutdown. All right. And that's just what we have to deal with in the House. Wait till the Senate says, no, this isn't acceptable, that isn't acceptable, the other isn't acceptable. See, the Senate, uh, led by Chuck Schumer, Democrat, is an intransigent place, and they don't actually care about the American people at all. See what I did there? See how easy this is? Enough blame to go around. Plenty of blame to go around. I'm assuming a deal will come, will be, uh, will come to the table one way or another. But if it doesn't, honestly, I'm going to sleep fine. I'm not going to let that. Don't let this bother you. Yes, some people are going to be impacted by it. Certain checks aren't going to go out. Certain people aren't going to get paid. I'm not, I'm not saying no, and I'm sorry for that. But get worked up. Get worked up because Republicans and Democrats can't, you know, do their job. Nah. That's not going to happen. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning. So I'm watching this video of police in Germany. These climate activists have glued themselves to the street. And so now the police have to go through the arduous task of ungluing them. They've got their hands, their palms glued to the street. And they're slowly but slowly, bit by bit and piece by piece, trying to remove the glue and separate them from the the, the street itself. And my question is why? Tony Katz, 93 WIBC, good morning. You glued yourself to the street. Why aren't you responsible for your actions? Best of luck not getting run over. I have said this before about, for example, museums. You've got these people gluing themselves to artwork, to, to walls. Leave them there. Build a cage around them and let them be the artwork. You will watch people die right in front of you for their cause. Let's see how serious they are. But it's hard to be serious when... Uh, you do this. Oh, look, and the police are going to come. They're going to shut the streets down. No one's going to hurt us. They'll probably bring us water and sandwiches. Do you believe in your cause or not? Why are we doing this? Why do we bother doing this? And when they get unglued, will they then find some more glue and try and re-glue themselves to the street? I'm curious. Curious to see what it is that they're going to do and how they're going to do it. You understand that these activists are not okay. They don't actually believe in climate. What they are are people who want to destroy society. 
They don't actually believe in an engaged conversation. They don't believe in a better way to do things. They believe in a turning back uh, in time to the Stone Age. It's who they are. It is who they are. I say we leave them there. I have no idea, none, why we go about trying to help these people at all. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. And if you think I'm kidding, sure, sure, you, you, you stick with that. I'm just kidding. I have about 9 million stories that I did not get to today. Bernie Sanders uh, aggressively taking the side of the unions, the UAW, in this fight, not helping matters, but he doesn't care to help matters. The anti-marriage push. There's an interesting story on, on Fox, I think, coming from videos on TikTok. Oh, you don't need to be married. The Marxists are really disgusting, awful, crap people. Speaking of, what's going on uh, in Indianapolis in the 13th District, where Libby Glass is, is, is running? She's the libertarian. No, I don't, know, I don't know much about her. We did have her on the show. Um, she is running against a guy by the name of Jesse Brown, who is, is a socialist by his own description. Why in the world would anybody vote for this guy? Why he he is the guy who beat um uh oh what's his name Zach what's his name I have already forgotten his name and I feel good about that uh, the former vice president of the council or he will be the former vice president of the council this guy beat him in a primary Zach Adamson lifelong East Sider community activist, unwavering believer in the power of the people. And of course, he's got, you know, the people with, you know, cartoons, I should say, with the fists up. That's who this guy is. You're going to let this guy on your council? Democrats are going to be okay with this? Why would Democrats be okay with this? I'm an active member and former officer of Central Indiana Democratic Socialists of America. You gonna vote for this guy, Indianapolis? I say vote for the libertarian, Libby Glass. You, you don't know what she's going to do. You have absolutely no idea. I don't know. Maybe she's a, maybe she's a closet socialist. I don't think she is. Libby number four libertyin.com. I think she's a, a libertarian because Republicans weren't smart enough to actually run somebody in the district because they're the Republican Party. Whether you want to talk about it countywide or statewide, man, they ain't bright. Well, Tony, we don't have the money to run for every race. You don't? Maybe that's because you don't run somebody for every race. Maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if the 13th district seriously is considering voting for a socialist, if you think things are bad now, you have no idea what's coming. 
First of all, there's no such thing as a democratic socialist. They're all communists. Like all communists, they all lie, and this was the latest window dressing. I'll call myself a democratic socialist. That'll be different. No, it's all the same garbage. It's all the same destruction. The Democratic Party of Indiana should be in favor of Libby Glass, the libertarian. They should not want this socialist on the council. How come they don't talk about it? How come the Republican Party doesn't talk about it? Why isn't anybody talking about this race except for us? You, you, you find that's often the thing, guys. How come we're the only people who talk about these things? And the answer is, I don't know, but we are.